Welcome to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Dan and Paul are the owners of one of the largest powerlifting gyms in the world, Ruchi's Gym, and are experienced powerlifting coaches. Join them as they discuss and debate all things powerlifting and strength training with some fun stuff thrown in. For more information, visit ruchisgym.com. Welcome everyone to the latest release of our Ruchi Strengthcast. Today we have one of our new coaches, Johnny, who will be doing this one with me, and we're going to be talking about all things ego. But first, what we wanted to do is get Johnny to introduce himself, tell, tell us about himself and how he fits into the coaching staff at the gym. So Johnny, man, go for it. Awesome. Hey guys, for you that don't know me, my name's Johnny Bell. I'm kind of one of the new coaches here at Rich's Gym, recently about a couple of months or so. So what I do at the moment is I just recently did the morning strength club classes, but now just moving to pretty much as part-time casual for the PM strength club classes. So I help and assist Vin um, run those classes there and create an enjoyable and just really like motivating atmosphere for the strength clubbers to train. Also, I'm an online coach as well. I do have a team of about 12 lifters so far, and that's really been a really rewarding and great process as well having online coaches, so online clients in WA, also in the Eastern States as well. So yeah, pretty much with my story, it's funny because um, how I found Ruchi's, I'm not sure if I told Dan this, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I literally just typed into Google Chrome, strongest gym in Perth. And it came up with two gyms, Ruchi's gym and MuscleFit. And I was like, okay, MuscleFit's a bit too far away. So I contacted Rich's gym, met up with Dan the first time, and yeah, was ready to sign, but then COVID hit. So that shut the whole operation down. And I came back after COVID, signed with Dan, and became a member. Yeah, do you still remember that, that consultation that we had, Dan? Oh, man. Vaguely, <laughs> vaguely, man. Obviously, a lot's happened between then and now. Yeah. Honestly, man, you got me hooked straight away. You got me hooked. Um, Wolf of Cali Street, remember that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I was actually doing some bit of powerlifting myself or brackets of strength training, um, programming myself, obviously getting resources online and things here and there. But I was kind of lost in a sense with all my studies, also like life as well. It's just one of somewhere just to center my training around and reach the was perfect. So I became a member, I think back in August in 2020, was training here and there about four or five days a week. Um, yeah, just really by myself. Then I really started noticing everyone getting into coaching and all that stuff. I think my good mate Zach as well, he kind of convinced me to get into coaching with Elliot. So, yeah, that's when I decided to sign up. And from then, it just skyrocketed. Perfect so for how, long, how long have you been working under Elliot now? Under Elliot, honestly. Easy a year? Close to a year, I reckon. Close to a year. a year. Yeah, yeah. Tell us yeah. about you, your background, like you've started your studies and stuff and sort of how you've worked yeah, yeah. getting here. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm currently still a student, finishing my final year for my Bachelor of Science in Sports Science and Exercise and Health, a double major. Um, I actually first started out in neuroscience because I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. But that was bloody boring for the first year. Wow, bro. So, <laughs> so I decided to switch to sports science and exercise and health. So that was my passion. So that's what I'm studying right now, and it greatly translates to what we're doing here at Ruchi's Gym, which is really using strength and strength training as a tool to improve people's everyday lives. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Man. 
So after your, so you've got one year left, right? Yep. So what are the plans after you finish this final year? Man, my plan after that is going to masters. So I'll do my two and a half years of masters for exercise physiology. Yeah. And get my exercise physiology um, accreditation. My whole goal is for me to understand the body and how it moves as a whole. Because at the end of the day, I kind of want to be a part of the whole change of how strength training is seen in WA mm-hmm. or in Australia in the world as, as well. Yeah, yeah. After, yeah, I've been involved with small stints with um, West Coast Eagles and Tennis Australia here and there, being part of their pre-season and high-performance management teams for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's really good to be uh, surrounded by those environments and really have, you know, kind of my vision formed from those two teams. Yeah. Oh, cool, man. Thanks. Obviously, I know a bit, bit, bit of your, like, most of your background, obviously, but it's good for everyone to sort of learn about um, the coaching staff and their backgrounds and sort of what makes them tick. So thanks for that, Johnny. That's awesome, bro. Um, yeah. Now, look, what we're going to do today is um, Johnny actually came up with this uh, topic for the podcast. We're going to be talking about ego and basically checking mm. ego. So you know what, Johnny? I'm going to let you start off and, and kick this off, man. So go for it. Tell us about, yeah. tell us about the topic. Yeah. So pretty much, man, um, this is actually very interesting because I was planning to talk about the role of stimulants in the strength sport. So like I said, ammonia, smoking salts and pre-workout. So I was at the gym a few days ago and I was getting myself ready. And then suddenly the word ego just popped in my mind. I think it was a really good set ball to kick and to keep rolling after Vin's podcast about, you know, setting yourself up to success in 2022. Mm-hmm. And I noticed if you look at our let's say what product and services we give the whole at Ruchi's gym, right? Coaching, PT, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it requires some cooperation and some willingness to actually really listen to someone and really improve as well. I found myself also just facing my own ego as well because obviously I knew a, a bit here and there about strength training and then I knew where I wanted to go. But at the end of the day, is that achievable or not? And that was the conversation of myself that I had with Elliot as well. So I think checking your ego is a big thing. And I think it's a thing that we need to talk about as well. And I feel like sometimes a lot of people don't know that maybe that ego is coming, you know, into the fold and really stopping them from achieving their goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people may ask, like, what is ego? I search this up. Just pretty much says a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Mm-hmm. And it can be used to describe someone, you know, like a person, if you've heard, oh, he's got a big head, she's got a big head, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you started your, I guess, your coaching with Elliot, what you would have noticed is obviously because we're getting to learn someone, we don't know a lot about them in terms of mm-hmm. strength levels, their technical ability, their, you know, their ability to do a lot of work in a short amount of time, i.e. work capacity, their conditioning, you know, so we normally start off new clients, um, probably not the best word, but let's just say this word on the conservative side in their training. Yeah. Um, mm. And sometimes clients get a little bit, I don't know, taken back by it because it's probably not as intense as what they're used to previously. And that's really just because we're trying to learn about someone and trying to develop their skills as a lifter. And so that process takes a little bit of time. But what happens as the mesocycles roll on as we start to optimize the training and get a really good understanding Mm. of the lifter those intensities and the difficulty of their training starts to come up 
And that's when things start to happen. What, how did you find with Elliot that whole process when you started? Honestly, that process was amazing because I remember when I signed up for the TE week, I remember sweating and really planning what numbers I needed to hit and really stressed myself. Like, oh, I need to hit this number. I need to know, squat, whatever, X amount, bench at least two plates, so deadlift at least this, you know, this much. Um, I have to do it perfectly. Can't have any fault. I have to you know, portray myself as the perfect client, right? Obviously, that wasn't the case. Obviously, I was shocking at it. I squatted super wide. Um, I benched, like just bounced off my chest and I deadlifted and probably nearly snapped my back. I'm pretty sure Ellie can like, testify to this, but that was my starting point. And of course, like Elliot pretty much told me, hey man, like this is where you're at now. This is where you get to in, you know, let's say by novice comp. We'll work through it slowly. Will actually actually measure and attain some you know smart goals, mm-hmm. and Elliot really gave me a really nice program to follow, and it was up to me to stick to those numbers and stick to those specified intensities or not. Of course, at times I was, you know, a bit big-headed, and I did kind of lean towards my ego and say, okay, I can go a bit higher, I can go a bit more, maybe one more set, maybe let's just not tell Elliot this. Here and there, and obviously, <laughs> yeah, that, obviously, that kind of backfired because once you step out of the plan, once you, you know, really just kind of bite a bit more than you can chew, then you will kind of face the consequences. In that case, is me feeling really sore, me just lacking motivation because I've overexerted myself. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Look, man, and you make a good point. And for those that aren't aware of the acronyms that we use. Uh, Johnny mentioned TE week. And so what the TE week is, um, it's a technical evaluation week. And that's basically the first week of your training with us if you come on board as a client. And that week is really an opportunity for us to evaluate, again, your absolute strength in the three lifts, your technical ability, and also gives us an opportunity to get an idea of your training age um, and how well you understand the lifts, as well as a whole bunch of other information that obviously are... um, are provided by you in questionnaire, things like your training history, um, what things you like to do in training, what gym equipment you've got access to, um, injury history and your goals, things like that. And once we are able to sort of compile all that, put it together, we'll get a really good understanding of who you are as a listener, where you want to be, and we can identify the gap between where you are now and where you want to be and then put a plan in place in order to help you get to where you want to be, if that makes sense. And sometimes... Mm that process can take a little bit of time. Like Johnny mentioned, when he first started with Elliot, um, you know, the intensities were very low. But remember, when the intensity is low, you need to focus on the technical side of your lifting. So shift the focus from the weight on the bar to the technical nature of your lifting because that's going to set you up for long-term success if you can really nail the, your foundation skills. How's that sound? About right, Johnny? Yeah, that's right, man. Because, like, I know sometimes... Let's say there's a certain lift, it's a certain number. I'm like, oh, that's easy. I'm going to smoke this. I want to make this like an at six or an at seven. It's like moderately light, moderately easy. I don't want to make this an at eight. And then, yeah, I forget to, you know, to know, know the techniques, breathing and bracing, and then just writing the word at seven, and then really being faced with the real truth of what the lift actually looks like and how I actually perform with the critique from Elliot. Yeah. So I think like this coaching service that we have, is really, really pivotal in, let's say, shaping, let's say, our perspective on what training for strength towards or training in general really looks like. 
Yeah. Yeah, you make you make a good point there, man. And, and that's um I'm sure our, our listeners, all five of them, will um will value that as well. Look, man, in terms of ego, there's there's a whole nother perspective to this, right? Yeah. Um obviously we're in a strength pool and we're strength training, and so there's naturally going to be an ego element to everyone's mm. training because at the end of the day, to move heavy weight, you've kind of got to have a, have a bit of an ego. It's a bit, so it's a bit of a catch-22, but you've still got to be able to call yourself on your own bullshit and reel yourself in when you have to, right? So That's right. You know, that's something that an elite lifter quite often will do quite well. They know and they sort of they work within the realms of their capabilities and they don't – and obviously if they're under the guidance of a coach, like if we're working with an elite lifter – um, there's a lot of negotiation sometimes that happens in terms of um, attempt selection and even training um, intensity selection. Um, so, you know, that's just the process we go through with each lifter. Now, in terms of ego, sometimes, you know, we get new people coming into the gym and, you know, the first thing, you know, I try and get an idea of who they are straight away in terms of, like, their ego because um, that helps me work out whether they're going to be a good fit um, and suitable for the things that we do and for the, um, the services we have. I remember one time a guy came in, uh, and we've had a few um, guys over the years, even even women. Um, one guy came in, you know, he was about 100 kilos, um, and he looked at the record board and saw Wright's 100-kilo uh, records, you know, 217 yeah. <laughs> bench, I think it is, and 385 deadlift, I think it is, off the top of my head. Um, and he said to me, um, how long will it take you to get me to beat those numbers? <laughs> and you know I was a bit cheeky I said never it's never going to happen damn only because man when someone comes in with an attitude like that they're all they've already lost they're, they're, they're already on the back foot they don't really know who Wright is and what his capability are and Wright for example is like a once in a generation lifter that walks into your gym someone like yeah. that he, he's the kind of guy that every 20 years one of those one of them is going to walk into your gym right um, obviously, I had a bit more of a conversation with the with the prospective client about it. And we had a bit of a laugh about it, but he was still adamant. Um, you know, obviously having goals is great, but I think having goals that are completely unrealistic just set yourself up for complete disappointment. You know, yeah. so obviously we try and explain that to clients and get them to you know um, get them to set some goals that are within the realms of possibility for them. Um, you know, try and set some short term goals um, and, and some sort of long term ones. But what we find is that people who come into our gym and sort of have that attitude, they never last long in the gym. They mm, last that's right. max a year and then they're gone. Because what happens is once they start training and they realize how difficult the training is and how difficult it is going to be to achieve those numbers, those unrealistic numbers for them, they give up. You know, mm. Because they're yeah. seeing themselves targets that are just so far ahead that are just so unrealistic that they, they get, they're completely disappointed and they're, you know, they're, Ego is shattered in a way, you know? Yeah, that's right. Whereas when we get people that come in and understand that strength is a process of time um, and that, you know, they're not going to be the world record holder like next week and they embrace the process, then those lifters, uh, those people end up doing a lot better because, again, they follow the plan and they're compliant. um, And those are the kind of clients that we want, right? Mm. At the end of the day, you can only lead a horse to water. Um, the client yeah. is the one that has to drink the water. And I literally say yeah. that, uh, tell that analogy to everyone I speak on the phone almost, yeah. in that we can provide the best service out there. Um, and there's lots of gyms that provide and lots of trainers that provide great services. But at the end of the day, if 
you are not compliant and you don't listen and apply what you're being taught, then you're just wasting your own time. All right. So um, ego is actually quite a big thing. Obviously, I see it a lot because I take on a lot of the initial consults that we have with clients. So I sort of get that initial, um, I have that initial discussion and conversation with them. So I, you know, I'm, I'm right there. Um, and look, like I said, man, most of the time what I find is clients that come in with those big egos, they don't last very long. Mm. Um, you know, so it's really important to understand that, you know, when you're coming into a gym like ours, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of strong people and records. Some of those records have been there for years and some yeah. of the records will be there for years to come. For example, let's be real rights record. That is going to be there almost forever. I find it hard to believe that anyone's going to come in and, and, and beat 950 and 100 kilos. It's still the Australian all-time record. It's still the GPC world record. And in fact, for a long time, I'm not sure if it is quite now, is now, but it was higher than the 110 kilo Australian all-time record. Like you're talking about a record that's completely obscene, right? So anyway, that's a bit of my experience with ego. Obviously, yeah. when we do get clients, existing clients that are sort of on board that start to demonstrate a little bit of, you know, they'll do things like they'll do a one rep max test in the middle of a training, in the middle of a general prep block. So mm. it's like, you know, and I've had it a few times and every time the client sort of uploads a video or it tells me, I, the first thing I say to them is like, I'm not impressed. Yeah. Impress me, right? um, they're all happy and shit, which is cool, but it doesn't impress me because they've literally ruined and they've ruined or, or kind of deviated from the plan, which kind of puts a spanner in the works right so yeah clients need to understand that if they stick to the plan more times than not they, especially from our experience they're going to do well you know yeah look i get it though you know people come in and, and everyone wants to lift heavy and, and everyone wants to you know get on instagram and post their pb deadlift and have like people they don't know comment and like their shit um because that's the kind of the world we live in but those lifters are going to take a step back from that and understand that they need to be compliant and trust the process, then they're the ones that do better long-term, right? And I'm sure you'll find that as well. Now, Johnny, you're, you've got like, I think we've got you um, 11 online clients now. I think you know? 12, 12, yeah. And, you know, that's that's going to continue to grow. Yeah. So, you know, it's great to have you on the team, man, and, and looking after people because, um, yeah, Paul and I, you know, we, we do believe that you're, you're a valuable asset to the team and can contribute. Oh, thanks, man. No, it's all good, man. And, you know, for those that sort of a bit of background about Johnny, I guess what happened was um, he came to us with a request for um, basically some work experience because for his uni degree, he had to do some prac hours. Um, and I'll be straight up honest, most of the time when people come to us for work experience or prac hours, we say no. And that's just because we just don't have the time to commit to them and to like work with them. And so we don't, want to, we don't really want to waste anyone's time. But because Johnny was an existing client, and we kind of knew a little bit about him already. Um, and we kind of did need a second coach in one of our, in our strength club sessions. Um, we thought we'd give it a go. And, and Vin was mentoring Johnny for about eight weeks. Johnny, how long was it for? Uh, it was quite a, a long time. So it's more than eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. Quite a significant amount of time. And at the end of that prac, Paul and I offered Johnny a casual role as a, as a coach here at the gym because we needed someone and Johnny had earned his stripes, so to speak, you know, so... And for those of you guys out there who are personal trainers, in particular if you're a gym owner, um, you know it's very difficult to find good quality uh, coaches. Uh, it's very, very difficult. So, um, and that's obviously, a, I guess, a topic for a different podcast. But yeah, um, you know, it's just one of those things. Good people are hard to find. So, 
And the ones that you do have, you got to look after them, and that's what we're trying to do. You know. So, anyway, sort of deviated off the off the yeah. Side I thought it down. <laughs> um, in terms Quality. of man, with some of your clients, tell us you've got eleven or twelve clients at the moment. Yeah. Have any of them derailed? Oh, for sure, for sure. Because like with you know that's sort of the first GPP phase, right? You don't want to smack your clients with high loads straight away, right? Or something nothing too intense. So you slowly increase it slowly week by week. You usually start, I got my clients saying that like around the 60%, 63% mark. Yeah. And we do have a few clients like, oh, it's too light, it's too light. And they just keep on doing more. Let's say I prescribe 60 kilo squat, client goes 80 kilos. Yeah. And it keeps increasing week by week. And then, yeah, it is tough. I do find it tough to try and help and uh, talk to the client to come to a common ground and focus on the big goal. Yeah. Which in the end, getting better, getting stronger, improving movement, improving quality of life. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, when the weight's too light, of course, everyone loves to have a challenge. Everyone loves to, you know, shoot higher. Yeah. And it's really hard to take you down and slow you down. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Look, and, you know, and I get that as well. You know, when you're starting training, um, if it's too light, it kind of feels like you're not doing anything. What I tend to do with clients who do that, especially in those first few training blocks, is explain try and explain to them and i'm sure you do this i'm just this is yeah we try and explain to them the importance of sticking to the plan and trying Mm. to master the skills that we're trying to teach you and the only way to do that is by stripping weight off the bar and slowly Mm. building the weight on the bar up as your confidence improves all right so as you get better at something you can start progressing and obviously with the three lifts we start progressing naturally by adding more weight to the bar increasing exactly right so um Again, though, there's going to be an element of ego because everyone likes to lift heavy. But So I try and explain that to them and get them to sort of buy in. Um, I also explain to them that with the accessories that we've given them, 100% they should push themselves, right? Yes. But even sure. though their main working sets of their main lifts might be on the light side for them, but it's, it's more of a skills-building exercise, they can completely apply themselves in their variations and their accessory work, right? And so by the end of the session they should feel like they've actually had quite a, a tough training session, you know? So I, I think if you can try, we try and flip it on the head a little bit and try and explain to clients the benefit of going through the process and getting and getting them to buy in up front is really, really important. And when I do work, uh, when I do work at, with signing people up and getting them on board, I do explain this to them, but obviously, you know, sometimes yeah. you're out the other, which is cool because everyone kind of needs a reminder every now and again. Um, and that's what, where you guys come in as the coaches. So, yeah, man, I think that for the most part, people are, are quite compliant, but every now and again, you get one that sort of is derailed by the, by the ego, man. So, you know, the whole topic of this, um, I guess, of this podcast is checking your ego at the door. Um, you know, and, and we, tell that, we tell that to people all the time. You know, when you come into the gym, just check your ego at the door. At the end of the day, you know, you're going to come into a gym, especially our gym and there's many many others in the country where there's going to be lots of people stronger than you, um, which is a great thing because you learn off people stronger than you, right? You see how they train, how much they apply themselves, how they move, how they warm up, how they cool down, the, mm. the, the intensity they put into the lifting. Um, and, and you can learn a lot of just watching someone squat or bench or deadlift some heavy weight. You know, when you, um, you know, you can get on Instagram now and you can go watch a plethora of 300 kilo squats, right? Yeah. But it's completely different when you see it in person. Oh, man. It's beautiful. It's completely different. You can see the preparation, 
you can smell the fear, you know, everything that sort of goes into a leaf you can feel and you can watch. On, in a video, you know, you might be seeing a highlight reel, right? Someone's best rep in their whole training session. Whereas when you watch stuff in person, you do get to see some of the things that perhaps go wrong um, and, you know, how lifters recover from bad positioning or whatever it might be. Um, and when you see it in person, it, it becomes real, you know? Your mind makes it real, which means mm. you start to believe in yourself that one day you can accomplish the same feat of strength. Mm. You know, so that's kind of our experience with ego. Obviously, you know, there's there's other, you know, ego on, on game day when people just have, um, for example, when they open their lifting of just way too heavy, um, which we've seen many times. So I guess, I, I guess that's a component of ego in a different situation. So like what I'm talking about here is in competition, when lifters open on a weight that perhaps should have been their third attempt, opening way too heavy, not leaving enough room in the tank, um, or perhaps bombing out because they just weren't able to complete the lift sex successfully, right? So yeah. that's where we come in as coaches to help prepare and plan lifters for competition. Um, so we do all the planning um, for their competition, which will include attempt selection, um, and also we provide things like warm-ups, um, and even some every every kind of lift is a bit different, but you might provide some cueing and stuff as well. But really, the main part of the competition planning is the attempt selection. So all of our clients always go into competition with a plan, and any good coach or any decent coach will do something similar. Um, but the difference between like a really good coach and perhaps a really average one is the quality of that attempt selection, right? Um, what you'll find is even coaches have ego, right? So what you'll find sometimes is a coach with ego will push their clients way too far in training and on the platform. And generally that doesn't end well. Um, yeah. When you have a coach with a lot of experience who knows how to play the game, you'll find that the attempt selection is, is really bang on. Open will be quite straightforward, almost like a last warm up. The second attempt is, you know, helps build a total, and the third one kind of extends. Uh, might have, might be a PB or something like that, but obviously yeah. a little bit different there. And the attempt selection will change depending on a whole bunch of factors, but um, I think that makes sense, right? Yeah, it does, man. Yeah. So in your first comp that you did with Elliot, what was your attempt selection like? Um, attempt selection was actually bang on, to be honest. Uh, my opener for pretty much all my lifts was my last heavy lift. Yep. of my um, pre-comp phase. Yep. Yeah, and then sec second attempt was pretty much PB attempts, and third attempt was you know, the chance to really overextend and really smash that PB. Yep. Yeah. Actually, you've, you've um, brought up a good point in there as well, a hidden point. You said that your opening attempt was your final heavy lift in the gym, right? Yeah. So obviously, yep. in the gym, you haven't Elliot hasn't taken you to 100%, right? Yeah. And in fact, what you'll find is lifters with ego or coaches with ego will always take their sort of last heavy lifting in the gym to a you know like a rpe 10 right Max yeah lift. Um, look okay obviously it's not always going to be perfect sometimes i've um, programmed clients and it just worked out that their last lift was like at nine and a half at ten there, there's many reasons but we don't plan for that right we're not planning for someone to take um their last heavy squat for example at a max effort attempt um, we normally plan their last lift somewhere around the 90 to 96, 97% range, yeah. Yeah, depending on the lifter and a few other factors. But the idea is to set them up for success. Obviously, we've had we've strung together a few training blocks, maybe one or two general prep blocks, a specific prep block, and then a competition peaking phase, which could be anywhere between three and four weeks. Um, 
And generally what we're trying to do is shed load and increase their confidence as they approach competition. Sorry, decrease load, increase intensity and improve their confidence as they come into competition. So if you if you sort of have too much intensity and too much load in the tail end of that threat, it kind of wears them out a little bit for competition. And what normally happens is um, they do their best lifts in the gym. And on the platform, a lot of the times they can um, they underperform, right? So yeah. one reason is because they've already done those heavy lifts in the gym, those max effort attempts that put themselves under so much pressure to perform on the comp, on comp day, you know? Not That's right. And their fatigue levels are probably a little bit too high and they haven't been able to recover sufficiently in order to perform on comp day as well, mm. you know? Um, so there's, you know, there's a few, I guess, a few different facets of ego and, and how we would... Um, what we see, we look at the comments and then how we would deal with them as well. That's right, Dan. Yeah. Look, man, Johnny, we've been going for almost 30 minutes, man. Do you have anything more to add around ego? Yeah, around ego. It's like, Tell um, us some tips, Johnny, on and if, if Lifter feels like they have to go heavy in training, um, yeah. what are some things they can do to sort of take a step back and realize that what they're doing is perhaps not the greatest thing? I think the first thing is surrounding yourself with a team, you know? Because powerlifting sometimes is a very individual sport. I know a lot of people say this, and I've heard a lot. It's a team sport played by individuals. So that's been thrown around a lot recently, and I totally agree with that. So sometimes you need to surround yourself with people who are better, and I've been there and done that. And for you to look up and really learn some key takeaways. Personally, in my experience, I've been surrounded by guys in the gym i'm being very fortunate to train at richard's gym so always surrounded by guys who are stronger you can always give you know a few nuggets of wisdom so really you know throw your ego aside and just don't think that you're the best because there's always someone going to be better than you and really surround yourself with those who are going to lift you up and bring you up as well yeah yeah find a team yeah and something i talk to my client when i talk to my clients about this about um weight selection and training pre-com um I ask them what the value is, right? Mm. So before you just load a bar up and decide to pull something, um, ask yourself the value to your what is it adding value to your prep or not, right? So for example, mm. someone's best deadlift is three hundred in competition, and I'm I'm taking them to say two seventy five or two eighty in the gym, right? Is there value for that client loading the bar with three hundred and pulling three hundred? That's the question they have to ask themselves, right? In my experience, mm. there is no value because if I yeah. want to pull 280 at an at, at 8 or an at 7 for their last heavy, you know, or, or like at 8, 8.5, um, I'm more than confident on the day after they've had their rest and they've super compensated um, and the fatigue levels drop, they're yeah. able to pull um, a lot more than that. That's right. The problem yeah. is when they try and pull the 300 in training and they fail, they've already they've already completely fucked up their prep mm. because now they put themselves in a position where mentally they don't believe they can pull 300 anymore and they're going into a comp with a really, really poor mindset. That's right. So you, there is pros and cons to pushing the numbers in training. Yeah. Um, you know, we try and be very smart with our training peaking phases and also our yeah. selection and that's always worked well for us and we've been doing this a long time. So yeah. I think we're doing something right, you know. Yeah. So, Look, I don't think there's much more to add, man. Like, I think um, we've pretty much covered the topic of ego and got to learn a little bit about you, Johnny, and how you slot into the team at the gym, which is cool. Mm. And um, if anyone's got any questions about coaching um, or how to come on board and work with us, you can always hit us up through our social media. 
Thanks, Johnny, man, for uh, for doing this with us. We'll probably catch up again in maybe a couple of months for some no topic. But it's yep. all, guys, take it easy and have a great day. Thanks, Johnny. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Be sure to subscribe to join us on the journey and for more information, visit ruchisgym.com.